0: You get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you along with the spooked girls. Bring on three the slaughter, girls. we on that haunted ground,
1: three girls. the three spooked girls. Hey there spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on three spooked girls. My name is Jessica and as always I am joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey spooksters. I'm super glad that we have merch now that says ghoul friends on it.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, guys, go look right now. Jessica just, well, in our real time. So April 13th, Jessica posted all of the merch she's been working on for like months now. And it is all for one. It's oh, except for one. It's super wearable. It is so freaking cute. And I feel like it very much matches the spookster community vibe. So go check it out. It's in the link tree. I'm already going to spend like $300 so i can get a bunch (laughs) of shit (laughs) i'm so excited for all the new merch it's so cute
1: other than the one that's upon review right now which it's (sighs) gonna be i'm super bummed you would know because tara mentioned it in monday's episode the papa Mm. papa joe Joe shirt if it doesn't get approved i'm gonna like appeal the fuck out of it because i'm like nah this is something that our community needs yeah And I will happily donate all the proceeds to that particular shirt to, Mm -hmm. like, some sort of charity. I'll even email Papa Joe and be like, what charity would you like me to donate (laughs) this to?
0: I love it. Yes. We're going to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited about the merch because
0: me too
1: i've been giving tara sneak peeks for some time and she's like oh my god so great and it was it was mean and i had she had no idea what i was gonna do with it but yeah and i'm super excited now we have joggers oh my gosh i love joggers so much i do too i was like oh my god these are joggers but they only come in black so not all of our not all of our things can go on them and i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure i'm gonna try to put the papa joe on some joggers
0: I mean, I work from home, so I'm just going to buy all the joggers. That's, you know, that <laughs> and leggings are my best friends.
1: And there's a lounge set, too. I don't
0: <gasps> know so. No, I need to go click through because like once Jess was like, I'm going to launch this. Like work got really, really busy for me. So I was like, damn it.
1: <laughs> but check it out, guys. I was guys. really excited oh about God. it. I was yes. really excited. I was like, I can't keep holding because I was like, I'm going to launch it. So I was going to launch it on Tara's birthday to be like, happy birthday, Aww. Tara. We have new merch. And then I was like, I can't do it. I got to do this. It's burning a hole in me. <sighs> yes. Because we keep talking about it. Then I'm not posting it. Then I'm like, people are going to be <laughs> like, what? What's happening? But as soon as the Papa Joe one gets released from the review process of the mm. company that we're making or that we use, I'll definitely post a special post about that. Hell
0: so. yeah. Hopefully, I'm by the time you are hearing this, we're, we're okay.
1: My fav. I will be really friggin' honest, my favorite one is The Skeleton. Yeah. Just chillin'. It's like my favorite. Oh. I was like, I love that. When this idea popped into my head, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever thought of. It's all downhill now, guys, because I have no more good thoughts. no on that one no give it like you know
0: another like another few months and Jess will be like i got this new brilliant idea we'll launch it in a year (laughs)
1: and i just be like okay (laughs) like okay i'm just gonna say tara and i've talked about doing like a spookster calendar for like Mm -hmm. four years now Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it hasn't happened no and
0: but this is going into year five maybe it will be the time
1: Hey, maybe we'll just, we'll just pitch it here. We'll just pitch it on this episode and Mm -hmm. that way people can get it. Here's the thing. If you want to, if you are an artist and you want to be featured in our yearly calendar, so it'll be a 2024 calendar because it's already like April, so a little late. But if you want to be in a 2024 calendar and you want to like pimp out your art. Hell yeah. Send it to us. And then there'll be some, I say shenanigans, but I mean like we'll have people vote on the top 12 and it'll go into a calendar either that or we'll figure we'll figure something out there'll be a spookster calendar next year cuz i've spoken it in on the podcast now it's it has happen. to happen and someone is going to listen to this a while from when it comes out
0: to remind us and it's going to be the best day ever
1: <laughs> it's going to be like november people are going to be like remember in april when you said I'm like oh yeah should i, I got to get done that it's fine i got this
0: imagine sleeping at your favorite hotel every night that's exactly what slipping into Etitude's clean bamboo sheets feels like. When we say it's the most comfortable fabric you'll ever feel, we mean it. Attitude sheets are luxuriously soft, smooth as silk, more breathable than cotton, and hypoallergenic. Etitude's sustainable bedding is made from the world's first non-toxic bamboo fabric. So you can rest easy knowing that your bedding is free from harmful chemicals and better for you and the planet. And right now, Etitude is offering three Spooked Girls listeners $25 off their first order with code SPOOKEDGIRLS. So why are we obsessed with Attitude? You guys already know these have became my favorite sheets and I cannot stop talking about them. They are so soft and we love that Etitude is also doing good while they bring us these amazing sheets. What makes them stand out is they are dedicated to improving the planet. Attitude is committing to going beyond sustainability by creating products consciously and giving back. Their bedding is ethically crafted from regenerative natural resources, and every purchase gives back 1% to environmental nonprofits. Etitude is a B Corp company, climate neutral certified, and a member of 1% for the planet, aka no BS screenwashing like other brands. Don't forget, you can get 25% off your betting order for a limited time when you visit Etitude.com slash Girls. That's E T T. ITUDE.com slash spooked girls. The Etitude team is so sure you'll love your new sheets that you can try them for 30 nights risk free and return them, no questions asked. And don't worry, none of their returns ever go to waste. Each sheet, pillowcase, and everything in between is given a second life through their take back and donation programs. Again, that's attitudecom slash spooked girls. Happy sleeping, spooksters.
1: So today is the final episode of Waco American Apocalypse, which is the Netflix three-part miniseries. And this is the one, in case you don't know, this is where it all ends and goes down and literally in flames. Mm-hmm. We start the episode off like, it's, this episode comes in freaking hard. It's, chris whitcomb and he's talking about like he ends episode two talking about like how he sees david koresh in the window and starts episode three saying the same thing and he's basically like it's like two pounds of pressure to pull his trigger and he's like if i sneezed i'd have shot him and the thought that he says out loud which you know good for him for like owning his thoughts because mm-hmm. a lot of people would have been like, I never crossed my mind to commit murder. But he was like, he considered it. He considered just shooting David Koresh standing in that window because he knew if he shot David Koresh, if he shot their Messiah, they'd all come out. Yeah. And intellectually, like hypothetically, intellectually, higher level of conversation, he's absolutely correct. And there are probably people out there who are going to argue that he made the wrong decision.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That, you know, 70-something people would have been saved if he had pulled that trigger. However, it wasn't sanctioned by the government. And the fallout from that would have been absolutely catastrophic. Yeah, You would have had the, the Davidians suing the government and winning. Because an unsanctioned, like, FBI sniper took out yeah. a target without permission. Yeah. So, it's kind of like one of those things where, if he, like, I'm just going to speak this out, and I don't know if it's true, but you could kind of tell, like, the way he was saying things, it gave me the impression, and I could be totally wrong, but the impression I got was, now that he knows the outcome of Waco, it's been a burden that he didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the vibes I got too.
1: This episode really kind of shows the breakdown of the FBI and the ATF, and and even within the FBI, the hostage rescue team wasn't talking with the negotiators. They were doing things rogue, and it just kind of shows you the breakdown of. It shows the breakdown of the emotional state of what Waco was. Yeah, for sure. The very end of the episode, they show, typically when things like this happen in our country, we have, like, big hearings about it. And this was the thing. And a lot of the a lot of those representatives or Congress and senators were saying things like, one guy was like, every single agency who touched this ball, the ball being Waco, dropped, like, fumbled it. And I uh, completely agree. There was a breakdown in communication from the get-go. So... The episode kind of talks about, really, we're real deep into Waco. We're definitely into April. And interesting enough, this is going live on April 20th. Mm -hmm. Which means that yesterday was the, what, 28th anniversary of Waco. No, that means it's 30. I'm sorry. It's 30 years. Yeah,
0: I was about to say, I was like, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) No, it's 30. It's because I'm also tracking in my head the Oklahoma City bombing Mm -hmm. for later, and that's where my brain was like, wait, it's not 95, this is 93. Mm -hmm. So, yesterday, if you're listening to this on April 20th when this came out, it's been 30 years since Waco, since the fire at Waco. So we're deep into this. Waco was a 51-day standoff, and you know, they say in this episode, it was costing the FBI a million dollars a day to be there.
0: That's crazy.
1: And it was necessary. And I say that almost questioning because it was necessary. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe if they pulled back a little bit and had less, it might have gone also a different way. And that's really hard for me to judge because, like, I thought, I thought about this. I was like, I was like seven when this happened mm-hmm. and you know I remember watching that on the news I remember listening to Janet mm-hmm. Reno talk about like the buck stops with me <laughs> my dad used to do that impression a lot it was mm-hmm. and now I'm like oh my god that's where this came from dad that's oh, bad man. father horrible love him <laughs> my scatterbrain is this it, there's so much that happens in this episode yeah. so it's like David Koresh is like, I'm not coming out. And then he's like, well, I'm going to come out, but I'm going to write a manifesto first and we'll come out after my manifesto. So that's kind of like his storyline and trajectory. And they're they're still sending out videotapes and things like that. Like, you know, trying to get people to humanize them. The Davidians are. And good old Bob Ricks is just like, I'm going to fucking charge bullheaded. I mean... If anyone, like, Janet Reno, when she says, like, the buck stops with me, the buck should have stopped with Bob Ricks. Mm-hmm. Like, in all honesty, like, he made some really bad calls. Yeah. They decided to do, like, the Panama Canal thing, where they, like, they blasted music and, like, they blasted sounds of, like, a a rabbit being skinned alive. Oh. Just, like, really grotesque things. And I don't agree with a lot of things David Troubadot says, because he was a Davidian. But mm-hmm. the one thing that he did kind of point out was that you have a bunch of religious fanatics that you believe are unstable, and your course of action is to make them more unstable.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: At this point, David has probably got some sort of blood poisoning happening. He's probably, like, real fucked up in his head. Mm-hmm. He's probably, like, people said he didn't sleep anyway. Right. Right. So we know that David Crush isn't sleeping much at all, and he's just kind of, like, living this crazy, like, conspiracy life. And Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this in the first episode about, like, basically he was his own prophecy, like, coming true. He had been preaching to these people for years that the U.S. government was going to come and invade them and kill them all, and that they were going to go to heaven and come back. Mm Mm-hmm. I joked about it in the first episode. (laughs) Like, please don't come back before this, you know? That was my joke. (laughs) But if you're a delusional person, and these people were delusional, like, I know that a lot of people are gonna be mad that I say that, but, like, these people, like, believe that David Koresh was the son of God, the Messiah, which basically, like, if you believe in Christian theology, you're accepting the fact that this man has replaced Jesus. (laughs) yeah because i do not believe the bibles and i mean i know this cuz i grew up in church mm-hmm. the bible does not say the father son and the holy spirit and david Crush. like it just <laughs> no. it doesn't it doesn't say that <laughs> not, not at a all. thing <laughs> it's it's not it's not a thing he is mm. not god and mm-hmm. so these people that like they were so in love with the idea of david Crush. and this is like why cult like cult leaders are so good at what they do you know they prey upon people who are vulnerable. Yeah, I like to think about the episode of Boy Meets World where Eric, or Sean joins a cult. I think, <laughs> yeah, it's Sean who joins a cult because Sean is like his dad is gone, mm-hmm. he his mom walked out on him. He's like very vulnerable, and this is what they look for. And these and the people like they were longing. Mm-hmm. You know, Heather's dad says like I'm looking for, I'm looking for God and And when you're that broken and someone comes to you and offers you what you want, you jump at it. Like to equate it in something maybe not as extreme, like think about how many times people have gotten into really bad relationships, just like dating, because they're like, I'm hurt by my ex or I'm hurt Mm -hmm. by my situation or I'm really lonely and I'm needing something in my life. And someone goes, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna fuck your shit up. Mm-hmm. And you you just miss the red flags because someone's giving you attention and affection and things like that. Right. We've all been there. It's all, it's mm-hmm. happened. Some of us, you know, some of us learned when we were young like, okay, that's not the kind of relationship we want. Some people like never get over it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's what David Koresh did. He and Steven Snyder were in freaking LA yeah. and they find David Tribodeau in a guitar center
0: mm-hmm. and they just
1: were like, do you play the drums? So, like, when you think about how influential he was, mm-hmm. there was eighty-two Davinians perished in total in this. And I think mm-hmm. there was like twenty-two plus who had escaped. So we're t- talking mm-hmm. about like a hundred plus people. And some of these right. were children, but still like mm-hmm. there was a ton of adults and these people found refuge in this to put it how Chris Whitcomb put a cow pasture in Texas. Yeah. And David Koresh, like, Kathy Schroeder, to this fucking day, still believes in David Koresh.
0: Yeah, she does.
1: If some 30-year-old dude walked up to her today and said, I am the reincarnation of David Koresh. Oh, she would believe it. She would, I guarantee you, she'd drop everything and follow that man. Because, Mm -hmm. oh my god, please don't speak that into existence. (laughs) to wipe that away (laughs) (laughs) i've learned i need to wipe things away because (laughs) i fucking predicted the pandemic i'm not doing this again (laughs) sorry it's just you know these followers would gather and it's really interesting i don't know if david Tribodeau still believes i mean i think like maybe Uh on some level like Uh he empathizes level (laughs) no like I think he's like, I believed when it was happening and now it's over mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. And obviously, like, he ran out. Like, and that's the other thing. The men who ran out could have taken kids with them. Yeah. True. Like, these were adult men who just ran away and left yep, children. Left to burn children. To yeah. And I know that we're normally like, okay, like, no, they're not victims. They're not victims in this. Those men are not victims. No. And that woman that, like, an FBI agent pulled a woman out of the building. Because it was burning. Mm -hmm. And he was like, where are the kids? And she just stared at him. Like, I'm not going to fucking tell you. She would rather those children burn to death. (sighs) I'm just like, oh, my God.
0: Right. So fucked up.
1: And so it's kind of getting back to the the storyline of this. One of the things that we see is that David Koresh's mom, his mama, Mm -hmm. gets him a lawyer by the name of Dick Degrunen. I think that's how we say that name. I think so. And good old Dick, he is just the antithesis of a <laughs> Texas lawyer, is he not? Yeah. And to this day, he believes that David Koresh was just a man. He believes the government was in the wrong and that David Koresh was, you know, I don't know if he believes he was right, but I think he believes the government was more wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I'm I'm going to jump around a lot in this episode. So if you have ever wanted to know what, slaughters with jessica is like this is what it is at the end he's talking about how like wayne martin who was one of the people on the in the compound who perished his law he was a lawyer and his law books like burned up Mm
2: -hmm.
1: somehow miraculously and i call so much bullshit on this (laughs) that one of the pages that survived was the fourth amendment our protection against unlawful search and seizure and it's like Mm -hmm. bitches We know that that's not true. (laughs) We know because they had a warrant.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They had a warrant for assault rifles. And they had assault rifles.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was
1: not unlawful search and seizure. This isn't some dude who got pulled over and got like strip searched for no reason. Because he had too much attitude with a cop.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like that's not it. This is like these group of people. The law said, hey, I can come in and look. Yeah. I have this piece of paper. Right. And they were like, hold on. No, you can't. And I'm actually going to keep you out by killing your agents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Something I've thought of today when I was driving home, there were these, like, people who survived Wake Up, these adults.
0: Right.
1: How do we know that one of them didn't kill one of those agents?
0: This is true. We don't know.
1: And it's not like they were going to come out and be like, I did that. I mean, they might right, exactly. amongst themselves be like, remember when I shot that dude? Yeah. Because they're But dicks. not like to them. <laughs> right. So anyways, Dick is brought in by David's mom to come in and talk and they get on the phone and they tell the attorney, oh, we're not recording. And of course the FBI was recording because like mm-hmm. the fuck, they're not going to be dumb. Right. I don't know if that was totally lawful. I don't yeah. know the recording laws in Texas. But you can clearly, like, hear them talk. And David knows he's being recorded anyway. And he says, like, oh, I can still hear them recording. So it's not like he was not in the know. And then. Oh,
0: they. In Texas, you don't have to.
1: You don't have to tell Mm anyone.
0: Oh, interesting. So. It's a one party consent state. So if you know. (laughs) Then you could record whoever. So, like, they knew. So they could record David and everybody yeah. else
1: yeah yeah i mean it, california is a two-party a two-party mm-hmm. consent state if you record someone and just so that you all know it is people have the right to say that they have a right to privacy so if like even if you're in a slightly public space if someone thinks i'm having an ab conversation <laughs> you can't <laughs> just record and video recording is so different than audio recording too like mm-hmm. people can pretty much video record all they fucking want in public it doesn't matter right. You just I think you just can't like produce it to make money mm-hmm. without people's consent. Gotcha. I don't know. Maybe. I, I could be wrong. If you're a lawyer, let me know. <laughs> yeah, but you can't audio record. That's such right. that shit's like I know that for a fucking fact. Mhm. So D- Dick and David are talking and you know they're trying to like work something out. This is when David's like, "Okay, like I'll come out. We'll all come out. I just want to finish my manifesto. And they're like, come on, David, get your manifesto done. Mm -hmm. And he's like, apparently the slowest writer on the planet, (laughs) which I was like, doesn't, I was like, wouldn't someone like David Koresh already have a manifesto? Also really disappointed that we never found like a, like a fire safe with like the (laughs) ramblings of David Koresh.
0: Oh my God. Can you imagine?
1: The study, the psychological study that could be done on that would have like cracked cult leaders like for Mm -hmm. sure yeah so when david's like we're not coming out blah 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 they actually send dick in to and that's sorry i'm a 12 year old (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when they send him in he he, they bring him in via tank right i don't even make sense because the like the fbi has to drive him up and like yeah at that point in time if if you're the fbi and you're driving him up in like a 93 honda that's very <laughs> shootable right and exactly we know they have like armor piercings guns yeah. and then they were like do you want a bulletproof vest or some like you know body armor and he was like no i'm not afraid of them and he's like i'm kind of afraid of you guys just shooting me and i was <laughs> like
0: yeah
1: tell me you don't trust the government without telling you don't trust the government I mean, (laughs) so Dick goes inside and talks to David and, you know, he brokers another deal. They're going to come out and he has it all worked out. They're going to do it. It's going to be great. And then the hostage rescue team, I don't know what the fuck happened to them, but they just were like, it was like someone gave kids sugar and a lawnmower and just was like, let's see what happens. Mm hmm. They immediately, like, these people had agreed they were, like, talking on the phone, they were telling people we were coming out, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, the HRT is just rolling over all their vehicles, which I'm like, how the fuck are they going to come out if you, one, destroy all of their vehicles? Yeah. And two, it was not done in a friendly way.
0: No, not at all.
1: And then they were like, why are they not coming out? Tara, what the fuck do you mean they're very confused they're very confused like if i'm david koresh and like i feel like i've always been lied to by the government i feel like i can't mm-hmm. trust the government i just tell mm-hmm. the government which by the way david your word was shit because this was like the fourth time you told us you're all coming out and you hadn't yet but yeah. i digress but if i'm david koresh and i'm sitting there i'm like this ain't fucking going this isn't how this is gonna go down i ain't coming yeah. out because if david koresh had had the foresight he would have become, like, do we have a cult leader that's, like, in prison? I can't remember. But it's been, like, he would have, oh, he would have been Manson. Well,
0: yeah, I was gonna say Manson was, yeah. Sorry, I
1: forgot, because he died. I'm just just thinking currently. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> like, he would have been Manson. Oh, my God, they probably oh, would have put sure. them together.
0: Oh, God.
1: They would have been in the same place.
0: Mm. Gross. That would have been bad. <laughs>
1: Just trying to see them have, like, a colt off in, like, the rec room. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Uh, trying to make this. Uh, I don't know why I'm trying to make Manson flipping
0: it. some tables. No big deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's mad. Because <laughs> he's losing the argument, so he's mad, so he flips a table. Yeah. And just, David's just chilling.
1: Because <laughs> you know how, like, Manson really was, I love people, but, like, I also really want to stab people mm-hmm. at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Koresh is more like, it's fine, you can stab me, I'll just be the martyr. Like, that would be that conversation. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, maybe that's what's happening in, in hell, that Koresh and Manson are I having. I mean,
0: they could go have a tea party with Hitler with his maid outfit and pineapples, so you know.
1: <laughs> anyway, so they're like, we ain't fucking coming out, so then yeah. HRT has to, like, ramp it the fuck up, right? They're like, we got this. And they start, that's when they start playing music. David Tribodeau says that they were playing a Sinatra wife. She was singing, These Boots Are Made For Walking. And they played that over and over again. Side note, I don't know the outcome of this, but apparently a prison guard has now been sentenced. I have to figure out what the sentence is. Because this is so fucked up. And I'm not laughing because, I'm laughing at the song choice, not the what he did. But this mm-hmm. dude played Baby Shark
0: oh my god for
1: like a long time
0: that is torture 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 torture
1: at some point you're just seeing sharks you're just like oh my gosh literally but this is the, kind of that they were doing this like they were mm-hmm. playing like i said earlier they were playing like the sound of a rabbit being skinned alive apparently <sighs> i'm like who also who the fuck recorded that right you know they're just like playing these things and this kind of like w- winds them up and then We get to April 19th, and it's just kind of like, I don't even know how to explain how this happens. Oh, I know how this happens. So basically, the FBI, their last stitch to get everyone out is they tell people we're not coming in. They blare into there. We're not coming in. Mm -hmm. You're not being invaded. But we are putting tear gas.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Koresh, they're a fucking they're preppers they're apocalyptic people they have they have gas masks and if they don't they have like enough cloth to kind of help people mm-hmm. and so they're like we're putting this in and I'm like really you had gas, tear gas this whole time you're using it now this no. doesn't make like doesn't make sense Mm-mm. I guess maybe like ATF didn't have tear gas when they went in and tear gas I don't really like I don't know the the effects of it like, a lot, mm-hmm. but I just kind of feel like I would leave if someone tear-gassed my... Right? The building I was in, I'd get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I just really would. But they didn't come out, because I think they all went down into that bunker.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, too. They went down there, so they were like, cool, glad we did this for, like, no reason at first.
1: <laughs> and so they, they've done this and then it's, like, mid-morning or something, and they're, like, watching, and then, like, a south part of the building is just suddenly on fire. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the negotiators, they, like, basically were told to leave. The head negotiator, Gary no sneer he left, like, April 10th. He left before this all broke down. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not that far. Maybe it wasn't that much, but, like, basically... Once HRT came in and was like, we got this. We're just going to throw it is the only expression Mm. I can kind of (laughs) get. The negotiating team is out. So Mm. all of a sudden they see this fire. And according to David Tribodeau, he didn't hear anyone talk about setting fires. He didn't hear anybody like say that they were going to. He didn't hear anything. If I'm David Koresh, I don't know how much I trust David Tribuneau at this point because the original firefight went down and he went down into the bunker. Mm -hmm. But like Kathy was willing to fucking blow people up. That's because she's nuts. I know, I'm just saying. Like (laughs) David Tribuneau wasn't as nutty as Kathy. Self preservation mode. (laughs) But we know that David and the Davidians said it because of the fact that they they have, like, recording devices in the building and they hear them talking. hmm And they say, like, oh, I've, like, got this gas cans, I have more fuel, I have this. And they're like, oh, we need more hay over there. It needs to, like, there needs to be more hay. So mm-hmm. we know that the Davidians said this. This is something we hear David Koresh say, that they're doing this. And so I think that David Tribodeau is sticking to the he needs the he needs the Davidians to be as innocent as possible. Mm-hmm. Impact in the aftermath. David Tribodeau was held as a material witness against other Davidians mm-hmm. charged with various crimes and relations. David Tribodeau, you a little snake? Self-preservation
0: again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, when he says that, like, I just kind of feel like he really is trying to make himself, look as innocent as possible. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't part of the shenanigans. Well, you had 51 days to come out, sir. Your mom was out there. He knew his mom was out there because they were watching the news and his mom had Mm -hmm. been on the news. Like, Mm -hmm. David Tribodeau could have walked the fuck out of that. Because we know, unlike other cults, David Koresh let people go. Right, exactly. Anyone could leave whenever. Right, and he was like it's fine. Like he chose to stay. I don't know if it was FOMO, I don't know, but like <laughs> he did. So the fire breaks out, right? Mhm. And it literally it literally blazes the entire place. It's not very long. It's like mm-hmm. a maybe like 45 minutes, an hour. Right. Everything mm-hmm. falls And they're just, they're, like, watching this happen, and they can't let the fire trucks close because they don't, I mean, they were, I know John, the reporter, he said, like, oh, it's because of, like, the weapons or whatever, but, or, like, that could be popping off. I was, like, I don't even think it's that. It's, like, at this point in time, we don't know what the Davidians had underground, and this could be their Mm. final plan to, like, we know that a lot of time in, like, terrorist attack, they will, like, they'll hit once and -hmm. then hit again for responders. Yeah. And so this is that. This could have been that. So they basically had to watch the house burn down. And Chris Whitcomb, who's the sh- who's that, like, sniper, he talks about the fact that, like, he left his, like, his hideout, like, where he was, and he walked out, and he's just standing there because he's, like, watching it, and he thinks it's over. And he says, while well, he's standing there, a bullet whizzes past his head. So there's someone consciously sitting in that tower. Mhm. Aiming at those snipers and is like I'm going to take one more out with me while I go. There's like yeah. this was this was choices.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: This was choices and the thing that breaks my heart is that there were so many children. I know. Babies, like babies yeah. who mm-hmm. didn't have a choice in this. Yeah. You know, like when Heather talks about it in this episode she's like heartbroken because she's like lost her family and she talks about how mm-hmm. she has survival guilt and I see that like I could see where a nine yeah. year old who believed what these adults were saying and then going to a home where then people are saying that your parents are crazy mm-hmm. and all you and all you know is love right and these like these babies perished because one man needed to be the fucking Messiah like that's not an okay thing. No. And, you know, this is why things like child protective services exist. This is why yeah. we have these measures in place. And a lot of people, a lot of super religious people believe that the government should stay the fuck out of their lives. But you're not always good to your children. Like, yeah, I know that I opened up a little bit when we had rags on the show about, like, my experience in church. But, like, I had an abusive experience in church because they would, like, they guilt you into feeling a certain way.
2: Mm -hmm. to
1: get a response out of you and because you're taught in the church system to be a people pleaser to be a god pleaser and by extension to church leadership Mm -hmm. like i can understand how this little girl was like these people aren't bad people right and then as an adult who has children in her life who they that i love dearly like i love your kids so much like I hope if I was ever a parent and I was making this kind of shitty decision, someone took my kids from me. A hundred percent. I can't look at how much I love Bug and be like, how could someone do that to a child? And yeah, like, no. use them for their own like, religious propaganda.
0: hmm It's disgusting.
1: It is. So the house burns down and Kathy watches it. She's in the, She's in the infirmary. I don't know why. Didn't she go over to see her kid? She did in in the second episode when she came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. When we got Kathy out. But she was in the infirmary because oh, okay. mm-hmm. her nurse like turned on the news channel and she's watching it. And this is the fucking crazy thing that this bitch said. I'm sorry, I'm a gun over bitch. <laughs> I know we try to be PC on the podcast, but, like, I have no no respect for Kathy Schneider, and she wants to have a fight with me on the internet. That's fine. (laughs) Because I don't think many people will agree with her. No. (laughs) She said, watching everyone they know die is painful, but acceptable. (laughs) Because they were dying for the greater good of their God. I don't remember the exact last part, but there's something along those lines. Yeah. But the fact that this woman in 2020, they must have filmed this in 2022. Mm Mm-hmm. 29 years later is still saying shit like they died for the right cause. Like no one dies for the right cause. Right. We often, like one of the things in college, I went to a Christian school, like a private one. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is like religious wars. And then you start talking about like the crusades and you start talking about all these things. And then we sit back and we would sit back and at the time as Christians, we'd be like, we don't understand. Like, we just want to love people, but you can't love people with a sword. Yeah, That's the truth. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what Christian culture is today. Yeah. Is I'm going to love you, but I'm going to, basically beat you the fuck down until you believe what I believe. And if you don't believe what I believe, you're a trash human and you deserve hell. Mm. And there's so many things that don't reconcile. Like, how can you have this loving, compassionate, wonderful God who tells you that the fruits of the spirit, like that love is not jealous. It does not bear false witness. It doesn't blah, 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 whatever. But then turn around and say, God loves you, but he's a jealous God. You have to serve him. And if you don't serve him, you're going to go to this place that's like you're gonna burn for all eternity because you didn't worship him (laughs) and I see I've seen people who've suffered for their faith yeah and I think to myself how can like I was watching this thing it was like an atheist news it was a TikTok Mm -hmm. I don't know if you sent it to me but it was like this atheist news channel or Mm -hmm. news like public access show and Christians call in and argue with these two people right and it's really interesting and they call in. People are like, they they say like, like this is literally an interaction that happened. How can we believe in a God that would allow a child to be like
2: mm-hmm.
1: sexually abused, mm-hmm. right? And just allow it to happen and punish them later.
2: Yeah.
1: And the Christians like, I don't understand. He goes, because if I was an all powerful God, I'd stop it from happening.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was like, wow, that's powerful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And. To Kathy's point, if you really believe in God, why isn't God stopping this from happening to your people, Mm. to your family, to the children?
0: That's a good point.
1: I mean, Chris Whitcomb kind of says it too, but it's like, it's so hard growing up in the church that I grew up in and feeling even now, as I say this, the religious guilt of me being like, I don't know if God is real and I don't Mm -hmm. know if what I was taught is real. I've been sure of my faith in the past, but I've never felt like these people. Like, I've never been like, I will fucking die. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember when Columbine happened, and I know that we're going to do Columbine soon. Mm -hmm. I know that when Columbine happened, they, like, made the martyr of that Cassie girl, who, in the Christian churches, in Mm -hmm. the evangelical church especially, there's a girl camera her last name it was Cassie something. Is this the one supposed-
0: where is this the one where they like she got asked if she believes in God she or whatever? She believed in God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they pulled the trigger.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was like another girl like later people came out and said, "No, Cassie never even said that." Mhm. It became perverted mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Like this girl's memory became so perverted because people were using it to scare teenagers.
0: Mm-hmm
1: into believing in something yeah and I, re- I remember watching video like i'd be at youth group mm-hmm. youth conference or whatever it's called i can't remember youth convention that's what it was called and summer camps and they would like be playing this there was a song i think it was called Jeep of my god i don't remember who sang it and it was like this kind of like rock song and mm-hmm. this is how kathy looks at these people right She looks at these people like they're martyrs. And even David Tripodos says that they're they're martyrs. In a way, yes. But in a way, no. Because they weren't killed for their faith. They were killed by their faith. Mm -hmm. They put their faith in fucking David Koresh. Yep. And David Koresh fucking burned them alive. David Tribodeau t- talks about I think it, it, it may have been Wayne Martin that he was like standing in a room with him. And they have their gas masks on. And the smoke starts to fill the room, and so Wayne just takes his mask off, and he's just like inhaling, and he's like he's and he's uh, he's asphyxiating, yeah, with the smoke, mm-hmm. and he like basically ends up sliding on the wall. And David says, by the time he hits the floor, he's dead, or he's like he can't see him anymore mm-hmm. either. Yeah. And then he sees these people like Javen Castello running out of the building and he follows them. Nine people made it out of that building that day. And so many others didn't. Yeah. And you know, they kind of start going through and one of the things they talk about is David Tribuneau's mom, Belinda, like she was with this woman named Isabel, and she was the mother of Catherine, who was one of the Divinians. Mm. And, like, they were both in a hotel room crying because they just realized, like, Catherine had a daughter named Chanel, and they were like, they think David's dead, they think Catherine is dead, they think Chanel is dead. And then they announce on the news that David Tribodeau makes it out, and Isabel knows that her child is dead. And she looks at Belinda and goes, I'm so happy for you that you got your son. That's real love. Yeah. This bullshit of I'm going to hold a grenade and sit in the middle of a room and blow everyone up. That's not love. Mm -mm. Real love is being able to celebrate in the hardest time of sorrow. That someone else gets to rejoice and be happy. Yeah, That part, like, I didn't know that part.
0: Mm -mm, I didn't either.
1: And that broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And they kind of wrap up the episode by talking about... Timothy McVeigh comes up in this episode. And we know that we've done the Oklahoma City bombing and it's going to be 28 years it was 28 years yesterday Mm -hmm. since that happened. Timothy McVeigh watched Waco happen and he made the decision to make him pay and Bob Ricks was the FBI agent in charge of that building in Oklahoma City, which is why he he picked it.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And Bob Ricks like to someone who is a Christian fundamentalist or a guns rights fundamentalist is literally the worst person on the planet because he snuffed out David Koresh mm-hmm. for owning guns. And it's not that David Koresh, it's not just that David Koresh owned guns. It's that David Koresh owned a fucking military. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are like actual military bases not that well stopped.
0: Probably.
1: I don't think they're big ones, but like, <laughs> but I'm sure still, there's like, a, you know. <laughs> I'm sure there's like someone in the military. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, like I work in an armory and we don't even have that many rounds,
2: <laughs> that
1: kind of stuff. So, you know, they bring everyone in and they give their kind of last thoughts and why this all happened. And I brought up Janet Reno earlier and then I totally missed talking about her <laughs> is that they literally fly to, to DC. Janet Reno had just been sworn in as attorney mm-hmm. general, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, they go to her and they say, Miss Reno, this man was sleeping with underage girls and he's got them locked up. And she was like, go in and get them. They manipulated her for sure. Mm-hmm. But she also, you know, took the, the responsibility and said, you know what? I'll own my mistake. And can you imagine being like brand new to a job and someone's like, hey, I need you to give the okay to go into this compound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, Janet... Reno gave the sign-off. The whole thing happens. Bill Clinton comes out, makes a big public statement. I forgot. Like, he has aged. So, I mean, granted, it's been, like, 30 years. But, like, when I saw, I saw was, like, looking at him and I looked at a recent picture and I was like, Bill Clinton has aged so, <laughs> so much. But, like, he says, this is why we did this.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: went in because they killed four ATF agents. They were breaking the law. It's a tragedy. But this is what happens. Yeah. And then you have all of these, you know, congressmen who are just, they're so upset about the shit that's happening. And it Mm -hmm. was, it was bipartisan. It wasn't just Republicans or just Democrats. It was both sides going, this was bullshit. Like, this shouldn't Mm -hmm. have happened. Somebody fucking dropped the ball. We better figure out how to not drop the ball again. Mm -hmm. And so, it kind of sounds like they may have gotten, hopefully they got that under control. (laughs) It's just, to me, this whole, like, this whole situation with Waco, it just makes me so sad because it's just, like, there's no need. There was no need. They could have come out. They obviously didn't serve that much time.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: they had let the warrant have been executed, they could have fought it. They could have gone to court. It sounds like David Crush's mom had money for a lawyer, so they would have figured something yeah. out. But this this entire thing comes down to one man. David Koresh. David Koresh wanted power. He mm-hmm. wanted power. He wanted to be famous. He wanted everyone to love and adore him. And if you didn't love and adore him, he wanted you to at least fear him mm-hmm. in some capacity. And in the end, he's become a footnote in an American tragedy. Yeah. So, yeah. This particular episode of this one is quite—it's—it's quite, it's, it's quite a lot. Yes,
0: <laughs> very emotional.
1: It is, and it—it mm-hmm. it brings a lot of things. Like for me, like watching this, I'm just like, I don't—I have the intellectual capacity to understand what has happened, but it is yeah. also emotionally very hard to completely digest. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But now we have done two rounds of David Koresh and maybe hopefully never have to talk <laughs> about him again unless it's yes. a footnote. And something like when I, you know, talked about the fact that, like, Israel Keyes' mom mm-hmm. is a <laughs> Koreshian. Let's just hope that there's, n- we don't have to do this No again, more connections. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> no more connections. We're done. But yeah, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed this episode because yeah. it was, it was definitely, it's definitely a challenge to talk about a lot of this. So we will see you back here on Monday and have a good weekend, guys.
0: Bye. Bye.